Hey, welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and to trust Him more. To keep up with us or to get more information, visit celebrationchurchlive.com. And it really is a, a remarkable time where for, for you and I as believers where just so much of the world's attention really is turned towards, towards the fact that God gave and what, what an amazing, amazing thing. But with that, um, we need to make sure that you and I, our attention stays on the right track. And so if you've got your bulletin, your Bible app, however it is you're going to track with us, we're leading off in this series with this idea that the truth uh, of Christmas, it shines the light on the truth of God's love. And light, um, light helps us to see. And we want to make sure we, we see things clearly. And so um, as we're doing this uh, series called Christmas Lights, um, we're just going to week by week going on and, and flipping some lights on that are going to help us to be able to stay focused on and to see clearly what Christmas is truly, um, is truly all about. Because the truth is, is that, you know, you take the, the nativity scene and you just take a normal nativity scene, not one of these really like dolled up, really fancy nativity scenes, but a legit nativity scene where, where you have this, this barn, you have this place with animals and, and have hay and all that goes along with animals. And then this very common couple. Not a, not a regal royal couple, but just a, a very common couple with a child in an honestly an inappropriate place, in a manger, in a feed trough, in a place that a baby should not be. And if you have, take somebody and they, they know nothing about Christmas, they don't have anything, and, and you just show them a realistic nativity scene and say, man, this, this just, man, fills my heart with joy. And they're looking and go. What? Well, what's that one on earth, you know? You know, some goats and some sheep and, you know, a, a, a cow and, and a baby. Why is that baby in the feed trough? None of this makes sense. And, and the people seem so common and ordinary. But the truth is, is that when you and I get back to the meaning of it, when we understand the significance of it, then we're really able to fully embrace it. Because if you miss the meaning then the common, it, it, it can over, sometimes overshadow. And that's one of the challenges with us growing up in a, in a nation that celebrates Christmas. So many times it, it can simply become common. And um, one of the things that is still takes place during the Christmas season is this other season called hunting season. So hunting is still happening for all of those who are avid hunters in the place. And so we actually have people who will, who will come into first service and they're in camo and had just been hunting and they come in and then come to church and then they go home and get cleaned up. And so, and, uh, but I love that they come and that's a part of it. And um, I, I grew up um, in a household um, where the, on my dad's side of the family that they just, they hunted all the time. And so my, my, my grandfather was a, was a big sportsman, incredible hunter, um, did all sorts of won, won fishing trophies and shooting titles and all these different things. And, and then when 
I was growing up, that kind of died down and I didn't grow up doing a bunch of hunting. So I finally got the opportunity in my mid-20s, somebody in the church where I was a pastor at said, hey, would you like to hunt? I was like, yes, I would. Yes, I would like to hunt. So I got to hunt and then, of course, that thing, you know, hey, you can come and you can shoot a doe, which was great. And so um, we're went and um and hunted got my first doe it was uh, amazing just opened up the whole hunter experience and so not having land you had to wait for somebody to like say hey you can come hunt and they always let you hunt their does which was great no problem we enjoy it we like venison at our house we would eat it it was always a blessing it was great but you know what at some point you go i want a buck like i want to get a buck. I want to hunt a buck. And, and that, that first season that I got to hunt, that I started hunting, um, I was a youth pastor and one of my youth team, one of my youth workers, his family has land in outside of Fredericksburg. And they had this, in, this field that had not been hunted for years and years and years. And so it didn't have blinds or feeders or any of that stuff up. And, and so they said, hey, you can come hunt it and, and you can shoot a buck. And I'm like, bang! I'm there. I'm so excited. It's the first week of January and it was cold, cold, cold. And there were no feeders. We just got some bags of corn and just spread it all over the field. Just dumped it out. We just gave them a buffet. Just like they come and eat and just hang out. I know that's not very sportsman, you know, but, um, that, but that's just what I did. And so, and, uh, but it did have this tripod stand. So it was this big, tall um, stand with a chair right on the top of it. No cover know anything and tried to hide it a little bit up in the cedars and so that was what I was sitting I was just sitting on a chair about 10 feet up in the air and that was that was what I was hunting from well man I was pumped I was gonna get to get a buck I so I got out there a good two hours before the sun went up because I did not want the uh the to be able to spook my amazing buck that was going to show up so I, I was so excited Man, you get out there in the dark and you're focused and all of your senses just go dial to 11. Like I, I, you can hear every little thing moving around. And I kid you not, I could hear the deer eat, eating the corn. You could just hear them smacking and crunching and, and man, and it was just in the dark. And it's just, oh, this is so exciting. And it was freezing cold. And then I have allergies and I was tucked up in a cedar. And so all of a sudden now my nose starts to just run terribly, but I am not going to bust my hunt. So I just let the snot run (laughs) across my lips, down my chin, pull. I felt so manly. Oh my gosh. Just like Chuck Norris is going to dress up like me for Halloween. Like. Like this, I just felt so incredibly manly with just sitting there holding the gun out there, snot running down my face, ready to kill a buck. And I was so pumped. Sure enough, light comes up and there are just so many deer out in this field, just so many. And they are all does, all does. And I am just so disappointed and so frustrated. And I'm like, man, the, just the, the dudes are sleeping in or they're, they're, they're having a bro weekend somewhere. Or they're, they're doing something, but they are not, they are not there. And so I'm just so disappointed and waiting. And sure enough, behind this little scrub oak, I see this other animal start to move and I see bone sticking out of its head. And I was so pumped. I 
was so excited. So, man, I drew down on it. I just, I just found my inner sniper, man. Man, bam. I, I was able to drop it. Boom. Just sit there. Got down. Went to get my prize. I was so pumped. And I brought my first buck to share with you. It is so, I love it. It's so exciting. There it is. And yes, it is mounted. Yes, no, that's, uh, yeah. I, I get why you laughed. I, I, I get it. My feelings are not hurt. And the, and the truth is, it's in my scope, that, that little point right there, it was like that long. Like, I, I was not shooting a spike, I was shooting a monster three-point is what, is what was happening in my head. And, um, but it was, just, it was just so exciting. And every time I look at this, you look at it and you laugh. You look at it and you're like, oh, that's cute for a six-year-old. No, I was 26. <laughs> I was 26 and I mounted it. But... It's every time I see it, I, I relive what I just shared with you. I, I relive the moment. I relive the fact that I had to wait. I relive the cold. I relive the sacrifice. I relive the joy when it finally showed up. I relive all of those things. I know the significance of this. And so it's not silly to me. It is incredibly meaningful to me. When you and I, when we revisit the Christmas story, when we get back into, we see the, the fullness of it and we get into the, the, to the different pieces of the story, that's what begins to release the fullness of it for us. But we got to get back into the core story because otherwise some of the other things will, will try to pull in and overshadow overshadow what it's really about. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, says, Paul writes to the Corinthian believers and he says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He recognized that they had sincere and pure devotion. I would, I would be honored if Paul would look at my walk with God and call it sincere and pure devotion. That, 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 that would be an incredible compliment. But then the space that sometimes we can think that if we have sincere and pure devotion, that somehow that's slip proof. That somehow there's, there's not gonna be any problems moving forward. If I can just get myself to sincere and pure devotion one time, then I'm okay. And Paul knew that there's a crafty enemy out there who wants to come in and, and deceive and to mess up our sincere and pure devotion. We need to understand like Paul understood that there's an enemy that's out there. And here, what you need to do, you need to be careful with yourself and you need to be careful with others because here's the problem. Is let's say there's some of us that the enemy does deceive our minds and pulls them away from your sincere and pure devotion. And here is the lie we'll say. <sighs> well, that, that person really wasn't that serious before. They, they weren't a real believer. If they got trapped back into this, if they pulled off of that, then they would. No, Paul says it was sincere and pure devotion that you're protecting. It's not that you're going through the motions. 
there's a space where maybe you're sitting here today and, and you, you feel like, I'm not exactly sure where my faith is at. There's a time that, that, I, that I felt like I was sure. I felt like it was pure. I felt like it was sincere. I'm here to tell you, it probably was. It probably was. And the enemy comes in and the enemy's a punk and he takes advantage. He takes advantage of our weak moments. He takes advantage of pain. He takes advantage of situations and he just tries to come in and, and deceive. But what we want to do today is recognize that if we'll stay focused on what all this is really about, it will feed and care for that simple and pure devotion. As we look at Matthew chapter two, verse one, it says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now these are people of influence. These are people of means. These are, these are people, these are other kings. And they've gone on this journey. They've gone on this journey to see a king and they've gone into a capital city and knocked on the door of a king. And they're there. People of means, people of influence themselves talking to a king, wanting to go see a king. And their heart wasn't to strike up a treaty. Their heart wasn't to begin negotiations so that they could have good foreign policy with this new king that was coming up. There was one simple reason why they'd made the journey, why they knocked on the door, why they were having the conversation. It was because they wanted to worship. They weren't there to elevate themselves. They were there to, to elevate this baby. They were there to worship him. And that's that, that idea of, wor of worship. It's wor where we place our worth. They were there and they said, you know, in their hearts, the, the tr all the travel and the journey, it was worth it. All of the difficulties were worth it. All of the expense was worth it. And during this season, some of the challenges of the schedule can begin to be frustrating. Some of the extra expenses, some of the travel that some of you are gonna do, and, and they can either begin to be something that, that pull away and kind of begin to taint your experience this Christmas, or they can be part of your worship. In your heart, you can begin to say, no, the travel, to be able to connect with the people I love, it's, it's worth it. It's, it's part of my worship. Being able to, to do some, spend some reasonable amount of money on gifts and celebration things, it's part of my worship. It's, it's worth it. To deal with the difficulty and the inconveniences, it's worth it. It's worth it. That's part of our act of worship. See, Christmas holiday or holy day is simply about worshiping Jesus. It's become so big that somehow we can forget how simple 
It really is. It's really about just the love of Jesus. Matthew chapter two, verse 11 says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They came to the house and they saw the child and they saw Mary. They making sure we get that they took it in what they were doing. Now remember, these are kings who traveled to go see a king. They went to a capital city and they knocked on a king's door. They had a certain mindset. They had a certain expectation of what was taking place. And it didn't end up that way. They ended up going to a very simple home with a very simple lady and what could have seemed as a very common child. And they still saw him, saw her, and bowed and worshiped. They did not let their expectations determine how they were going to worship. This season, it can be one of the biggest challenges is we all have some amount of expectation. Have some amount of expectation of how this time is supposed to go, how things are supposed to be. And I want to challenge you to not let your, your expectations and things not going the way you expected them to go to get in the way of your worship. There are challenges, there are detours, there's, there's tragedy that take place. But in this season, we remember what goes above the tragedy, what goes above all that is there's a God who loved you, sent his son in human form to eventually live and teach and show what God's really like and to die for you and to make a way to be reunited with him. That's what this season is about. Because then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. But it wasn't just. It wasn't just to the affluent. It wasn't just to the influential. It was also to the common, to the blue collar people working. In fact, I love the story of the, the shepherds and shepherds on the night shift, the shift nobody wants, but somebody has to do it. Why? Because there's still predators and there's still thieves and there's still all sorts of things. Somebody's got to watch the sheep at night. And so to the guys who drew the short straw, who are having to work during that time period, the angels show up and declare it wasn't just for the kings of the world, but for the, for the common. In Luke chapter two, verse 20, that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The common people were welcome to worship. The kings were welcomed to worship. And in this, we need to understand that the chaos of the season It'll try to contend for our worship. The truth is there are demands on all of our limited resources, our limited time, our limited money, and our limited attention. There's demands on all of those, which is why we, we feel them. We feel the pool. And the chaos will try to derail and, and, and sap those things. We have to be intentional to make sure that our worship our worship allows us to be cheerful givers of all three of those things, of our time, our money, and our attention. Amen. Matthew chapter four says, here's this moment where Jesus is being tempted 
by the enemy. He says, and all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. What does the enemy value over everything? He said, he'd give him the whole world if he would just relocate his worship. Instead of worshiping God, worship, worship the enemy. That's what he values. He understood because why? That's what's the most valuable. Because what you worship is what you'll think about, what you'll pursue, what you'll give your life to. Amen. And Jesus said to, to me, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, they're far from me. They worship me in vain and their teachings are but rules taught by men. Lips can be doing the right thing and heart be in the wrong place. We know how to do Christmas. We know how to do it. We grew up doing it. We know the expectations. We know the routines. We know the rituals. We know them. But that doesn't mean our heart is in it. This is a moment where we're getting started early. We're, we're turning the light of worship on to make sure we keep this season what it's really supposed to be about. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 reminds us that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is praised forever. It's the creator, it's our God who's truly worthy of praise. And when it's all said and done, worship is a response to God drawing near us. It's a response to him pulling near. And it's, it's a natural response. It's a natural response. See, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He is present. He came near. And our worship should be a natural response to that. We're sitting there in the living room watching one of Cutie's uh, Hallmark movies. And I like them too, babe. I like them too. I'll watch them with you. But if she sits there on the couch and she scoots a little closer to me, I'm going to scoot a little closer to her. I'm like, all right. And so it's a natural response. If she's going to draw a little closer to me, man, I'm going to draw a little closer to her. Why? Because it's, it's an act of love. It's, it's a natural response to want to lean into it. We, you and I, if there's somebody we care about and they begin to extend a hand towards us, we automatically reach a hand back. If they hug us, we lean into that hug. If it's someone we care about, if it's someone we love. It's a natural response. Matthew 2, 2 again says, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. They drew near. They came to worship. Ephesians 2, 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He came near and then he brought us near. He has closed every gap except the gap of choice. You simply have to believe it. You simply have to choose him. 
He's chosen you. He's done the work. And this season reminds us of that. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, says, so let us come near to God with an honest and true heart. Let us come near with a faith that is sure and strong. Our hearts have been sprinkled. Our minds have been cleansed from a sense of guilt. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. God is at work. He's the one who's in. That's why we can draw near. And this morning, we have folks who are coming near to God in the beautiful act of baptism. As our candidates for baptism can go ahead and begin to come and get ready, go ahead and line up. Then baptism is this beautiful response to God drawing near to us. Baptism is an act of worship. Baptism is an act of saying, you know what? I get and I have placed my faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. I now enter these waters and identify with his death, burial, and resurrection. I publicly declare to everyone that I am a child of God. See, our bottom line this morning is worship. (laughs) It keeps Christ at the heart of Christmas. Thank you for listening to this message from Celebration Church. You can keep up with all that God is doing here at Celebration by following us on Facebook and Instagram.